Hello, this is Joshua Bell on the Kilt and the Cloth, introducing a new series that I'm calling The Couple's Retreat. In this series, I'm going to talk a little bit about relationships that might be a little abnormal for our culture, but something that I still find absolutely amazing. I hope you enjoy them, and God bless. So it's been a while since I've done one of these all by myself, and I just thought I would start off the series by talking a little bit about some of the things that I've observed over the last 20 years working in ministry, specifically about relationships. Now, the interviews that you're going to hear in this series are not the uh, secret recipe of how to live in a relationship, um, and, and it's not going to be the well, what you should have known about how to be in a relationship is dot, dot, dot. Really, I just felt kind of like that in the world that we live in, it might be a great idea just to have a series about success stories. The congregation that I serve currently has has kind of a unique experience in the sense that we have a whole bunch of couples that met in junior high or high school and for whatever reason, have continued to be together for decades. I look at them as success stories, not because they've got everything figured out, but some way, somehow, they've managed to, uh, what I would say, maybe ride out the tide. These couples that I interviewed are absolutely amazing, and, and, I, and I'm just very honored that they were able to share some of their their story with me and with you. But let me talk to you a little bit about uh, some of the things that I've observed over the years before we get into this conversation about successful uh, relationships that I just wanted to share with you. First, it's amazing to me that when we talk about relationships with people, um, just to be frank, it there's so much of a physical conversation that just kind of drives me crazy. In the 20 plus years I've been in ministry, I've, I've probably done over a hundred weddings and, and every single one of those weddings, uh, I made it a priority to do premarital counseling. Now I, I don't ascribe to be a, a, a counselor by any stretch of the means, but I have learned some communication tools that I try to pass on to these couples. And I've kind of created a, a routine and, and so for those of you that are listening that are curious, I, I love Dr. Marshall Rosenberg. He is the guy that creates this, uh, uh, what we call nonviolent communication. And in it, we talk about the things that we observe, our feelings, our needs, and our requests. And in almost every circumstance with every couple that I'm working with, they have le- not learned this conversation. So for example, Rosenberg talks about observations more in the sense of uh, what I see you doing, what I taste you doing. Like it has to be a physical observation. But what most of us do is, is we do what we call judgment statements. You make me really mad, for example. Uh, But there's no observation there. It's instead of saying, you make me really mad or you're a jerk. (laughs) Those are judgmental statements. So it makes it really hard to open up a conversation if the very first thing we say is you're a jerk. The So observation statements are, I see that there might be some anger in the room. I feel as though I am a part of this. What I really need is 
for there not to be any anger in the room, what is it that we can talk about in such a way that allows us to participate in a discussion? So that that was a, a very generic example of how do you begin an argument. But but notice how I took the opportunity to say what I truly felt. I, I didn't give you any adjectives, which is where I failed. But I feel I, I should say something to the effect of feelings aren't just uh, well, you make me angry. Angry is a good feeling statement, but it makes it easier to com- create a conversation when you use that in a sentence. Like, I feel angry when, and it's important to point out the thing that made you angry, not just the person. It's really easy for us to be in a, an argument, and we, we say things like, I, I feel as though I'm getting angry because you dot, 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 dot. As soon as you use the you statement, the conversation's over. It's automatically an argument. And arguments aren't necessarily bad, but there's something that to be said about learning how to voice our, our true feelings as they address our needs. Um, and, and how do we address them, like through the requests? So Dr. Marshall Rosenberg has this great book. I would encourage anybody to read it. Now, this, is, this next part's going to be super cheesy, but... Gary Chapman writes this book called The Five Love Languages. And I'm not necessarily on the same wavelength as he is theologically, but I really like the statements that they use about the ways in which we show affection. And it makes it easy for the people that are meeting with to participate in the discussion. So even those of you that I've done premarital counseling with and are listening, uh, I'd be interested to know how you felt about it. But I feel like Gary Chapman has really tagged into or tapped into some idea of how do we express visual, physical relationships without sex. Yeah, so I should have probably warned you at the very beginning of this podcast, this might be a PG conversation, so you might want to watch it with your kids in the car. But, for example, a lot of couples that I deal with, there's so much of a, a draw or conversation about sex being the the – the barometer in which their relationship is healthy. Uh, I can't really begin to tell you how many relationships, I've, uh, couples I've had in my office that start off with saying, well, our sex life isn't great. And if you dig a little bit deeper, you find out that the physical aspect of the relationship is just a symptom of the larger problem. So where I'm going with this, the five love languages gives us kind of a conversation about how do we show affection that I feel really honors one another which we're going to talk about honor here in just a minute. So those are words of affirmation, and those are uh, compliments that are um, non-asked for. Like you you don't ask how you you look today. You just make a word of affirmation like you look beautiful today or you look very handsome or, you know, you're a great spouse or, you know, you're a great parent. Those types of things are words of affirmation. Then there's uh, physical touch, which is, again, not sex. It's it's like holding hands. It's like uh, sitting next to each other in a sofa. Um, it's like rubbing each other's feet or playing with each other's hair. Then there's gifts, which uh, are pretty self-explanatory, but just in case. Gifts are like when you buy something uh, that you know the other person really wanted but know that they wouldn't buy it for themselves. This does not include just buying flowers out of the blue, even though I kind of put it in that category. It has to be something that's really thought out. Then there's um, 
we're uh, quality time. This is quality time is one of those times that it's like I've devoted my entire time for you and no interruptions. My wife and I used to practice this with we would go to lunch every Thursday at noon and I would have to put my phone away and I would just listen to anything that she had to say and she would just listen to anything that I had to say. Uh, and then we did it with our children, like how do we spend quality times, like on vacations or road trips. So we've had uh, words of affirmation, physical touch, gifts, uh, quality time. And then the last one is acts of service. Now, this is the one that we all struggle with because uh, acts of service is, is that you do something for the other person in a service way that you normally wouldn't do, but they do. For example, uh, let's say I do the laundry, which I don't because my wife is awesome and takes really just, she just does it. It's something that she enjoys to do, but I put the clothing up. So one way that we would maybe do acts of service is that one day I'd come in and I do the laundry and maybe she'd put the laundry up. Those are ways that we are able to show affection to one another that I think is kind of beautiful. Now, the purpose of this, what Gary Chapman does, and it's a little cheesy, but I like it. He basically says that all human beings have what we call a love tank. And depending on how our day goes depends on how much that love tank gets filled or it empties. And the goal is, is that we want our significant other to be completely overflowing with the love and the affection from the other person that our love tank is full. So it's kind of important in, in the book that he mentions that you check in with each other, kind of check and see where your love tank is. And then um, I, I, I liked that conversation about affection. And so what I typically do is, is when I do premarital counseling, we go through this nonviolent communication conversation. We talk about how do we show affection. And then, then it comes down to the most important part for me is, is uh, an understanding of what it means biblically. So the, here's the problem. Biblically, any marriage that takes place is a property exchange. And those property exchanges were usually done by the father and the groom or the groom's parents, groom's father. Um, and, and so we have a little bit of a problem because the church itself has its own liturgical understanding. Uh, we've created worship services that are based off of legal partnerships and in the, I would say from about the 17th century on, we start to get this conversation about what a wedding really is. Um, the idea that someone could be married out of love and not just because uh, someone is expecting a child. Um, you know, there's a lot of ways of things to look at this, but my, my struggle is, is that you'll hear church people say and ministers say all the time, well, Paul uses the definition and. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the definition of love. And I've and I've and I preach it at every wedding that I do. The problem with that is, is 1 Corinthians chapter 13 really is designed for the people of Corinth to hear what agape love really is. Now, for me, that's what needs to happen in a relationship. Agape love is the love that God gives to all of humankind in such a way that that we can feel the presence of God in just everything that we do. It's, it's a beautiful sentiment, and it's important for us to understand that Paul himself really didn't want us to get married because we're too selfish. We don't know how to be servants to one another. And so Paul does this great discourse uh, in, in one of his letters specifically saying that if you get married, 
you must almost be doulos to one another or slaves to one another. Now, that, that language kind of freaks me out a little bit, but you understand that you have to relinquish your power in order to be a servant to one another, which means that you have to put away your selfish desires and that you put the other above you. But really, our goal should be how do we work together together, not who's the head of the household and who does this and who does that. It needs to be how are we as a couple going to honor God? And if I honor God by showing agape love, I thereby honor my spouse. That's the problem that I see in couples a lot of times is is that we don't understand what that means to honor one another in the way that we honor God. So for me, if I'm looking at it in a biblical perspective, I have to jump out of the Bible for a while because the Bible has this you know, property exchange mentality. A lot of the scriptures that we use for marriage uh, supersede what I understand as agape love. So in essence, at the end of this podcast, my goal here is, is that I want you all to hear some success stories. I think in our world, we have so many failures or so many missteps that for some reason or another, we think that we're bad people. No, no, no. This is supposed to be exciting and enthusiastic. Now, there's some of you that are listening right now that have been through a divorce and are probably a little uncomfortable. My hope is, is that you can get past that discomfort in the midst of this podcast. The series here is not to say, listen, these people have got everything figured out. Honestly, this series is to say, this is kind of abnormal in the culture we live in. Think about it. People that met in high school that are still married 30, 40 years later, or young couples that got married from and that knew each other from junior high and high school and somehow have found a way to make it work. My goal with this series is, is that we have the opportunity to hear something nice, <laughs> which is contrary to what we hear on everything else that we listen to. And so when you're listening to this, it's, it's okay to feel like there's something disconnected if you've had a divorce, but please understand that I'm not against divorce. Sometimes there is no way to honor one another, but to be apart. And it's, it's a complicated conversation. And I'm hoping that through these podcasts, we'll have that conversation and, and, and hopefully people will share those stories with me and would be willing to share it with others. But my hope is, is that we're not listening to these couples as they've got it all figured out but really as to say, wow, isn't that beautiful in a world full of anger and hatred? This has been Joshua Bell from The Kilt and the Cloth. I hope you enjoy our new series, which will be starting next week. God bless.